All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect this member and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 1981 um, horror slash psychological drama slash what the fuck movie uh, Possession, uh, starring a younger Sam Neill in, I believe, one of his, I don't know, burgeoning roles or was it budgeting, burgeoning roles? One of his very first roles. How long has he been active? I don't know. Let's see. Hang on. I'm going to check that real quick on that front. 1975, this movie was... Yeah, so he did. He was acting for six years before this. Um, but the only other one that I recognize personally is The Omen 3, The Final Conflict. So oh, yeah. Where he plays a grown-up Damien, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, that's uh, what we got right here. So yeah, he was, he was, I don't know, this was like his seventh movie. I don't know how involved he was in anything else, but we're not here to talk about Sam Neill. We're here to talk about Sam Neill adjacent things. Anyway, Andrew, how the hell are you doing? You know, I, I'm doing great. Um, I think this is the first time I've recorded in a while where I haven't been sick because I was sick for like a solid freaking month at least. Mm. So that is, you know, a great feeling, um, <laughs> to not, not be, uh, you know, be able, be able to breathe and swallow and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of funny you mentioned that because I'm feeling sick today. Thankfully, uh. not my throat. I just have this headache. It was really bad over the weekends, and I've just been kind of antsy the whole time because I just I haven't been working out. And you know the feeling when you don't work out for like three or four days or something like that, or don't mm. stick to your routine. And I'm just sitting there jittery, and like I'm trying to do like body weight exercises and run at home, and I'm just like I can't. I need to do something a little bit more engaging at this point. But yeah, yeah, I've got a bit of a headache now, but I did just pop some aspirin, so should be good to go. That was about Ooh. 20 minutes ago. But yeah, everyone's pop, getting sick now. That's Popping that. pills. Yeah. Wow, good good, good lesson for the kids. Pop your pills. Just just like Lewis and Left 4 Dead. Pills here. Pop those pills. <gasps> yeah. Such a good game. Such a good game. Oh, it's so wonderful. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that. Uh, I do have a little bit of an update for you. So my apartment complex, uh, they are now including ADT security with our apartment. So someone came over uh, earlier this week and basically installed a new type of lock. So it's a keyless entry now. We got a keypad like we had in Korea, um, which is kind of cool, I guess. Uh, but also I got a smartphone app in terms of like I can remotely lock it back and forth. And then I can also go ahead mm. and um, like track to see who's opened the door who's come on in that sort of thing as well and then of course there's a lot of security features too like it'll automatically alert the police if a sensor detects you know um like an armed entry or something like that like i can arm the system and then there's a code for it to unarm and that sort of thing too uh, but the entire time it was installing i was just thinking to the opening scene of scream five and i was just <laughs> like you know should probably show my fiance that just so you know she recognizes the the uh you know perils of technology or the <laughs> dangers of technology you know, actually, that reminds me. Uh, Dan, we never talked about the Scream. I think, actually, did Scream trailer come out after Megan? But we didn't talk about Evil Dead trailer either. And I know that came out before we talked about Megan. Yeah. We were really um, I have not that. seen. I have not seen the Evil Dead trailer. Um, I did see the Scream trailer because that was uh, there for Megan. So I was just like, oh, fine. I guess I'm watching the Scream trailer. But, uh, yeah, I know I'm going to see both of these movies. So I am happy right. not seeing the trailer discussing. But I'm, oh, I'm really? excited for both movies. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I do. I do feel like the, the Evil Dead one uh, going in. I feel like I was a little 
I don't know. The, the first one kind of got me cringy. Uh, not the first one, sorry. The, 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 recent, the recent remake of the first one, or reboot, whatever you want to call that guy. Like, that one was kind of cringy. And, like, not cringy, like, in bad, but it's kind of like, oh, God, there's some gross shit going on. And I feel mm-hmm. like this trailer does that same thing. And there's some, definitely some scenes where I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have to, like, seal cheese myself grater. a bit. Yep. Oh, she, fucking cheese yep. grater. Fucking yep. Yep. child. I've, I've, I've done that to my fingers in the past on those things. It's, ugh, gross. Uh, yeah, definitely, oh. definitely. Ew, yeah. Terrible. But, but what did you think of the, uh, of the Scream trailer? Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for Scream. I'm definitely, it's kind of like the, uh, I don't know, a lot of people are making jokes about, you know, oh, it's the Freddy that takes Manhattan. I can't wait for, uh, uh, the, uh, Scream killer to, um, or Ghostface to box someone on top of a roof and that shit like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm excited for it. Uh, definitely, I feel like they're leaning a lot more into Jenna Ortega, which, you know, she's obviously the very, very hot actress right now with Wednesday and everything like that. So I'm kind of glad they're leaning on into it because she was definitely the stronger lead in that particular role. Hopefully it'll be, uh, you know, a good movie on that front. Um, yeah. I'm really loving what they're doing with the posters too. The uh, the, the the subway line poster. Oh yeah, that was, that was really clever. I love that. Yeah, and you know, again, it brings more credence to is Stu coming back? I, I really want Stu to be alive. I don't know if they're just teasing me, um, mm-hmm. but you know, they bring Kirby back, which I will say, I like. I do like this, like the look for Kirby, and I like that she's like a cop. I feel like that's mm-hmm. like a fun to have her kind of like. I don't know if she's going to be the replacement Dewey to a degree or not. Um, though I am kind of afraid that she might be the killer. I don't know. I hope not. Mm-hmm. yeah we'll see we'll see on that front but yeah i'm excited she was great in scream four and yeah i'm hoping Stu comes back as well it's gonna be dumb if he comes back but you know what Fuck oh god it's gonna be so fucking dumb uh, like yes i i, I like you know that here's my thought though maybe he and him and kirby come back because they're both people who we thought were dead kind of but then people are like yeah hey, they could have been alive and now they both come back and that'll be their that'll be their club like we we started the like kind of died in scream but didn't really could die in scream club and that was like their support group <laughs> And then mm-hmm. they'll, they'll become best friends, and then I don't know who else it is. They might be the ones who are in that club. Maybe Mickey's alive. <laughs> who knows? Maybe Mickey's still out there somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love, uh, what's his name, to come back. Who played Mickey? Fuck, I can't remember. But I, I want him to come back. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any other good horror movie news? I know we already said, I think we already, did we already say that Megan, Megan 2.0 is coming out? Or Megan 2.0 uh, was announced? Yes, uh, we did. Um, that that came out after the last episode of Iron Megan. So, yes, we absolutely do. Um, need to talk about that a little bit. So, yeah, they're making a sequel to Megan. Great. Boy. I don't know why I said we need to talk about it, because we were both fairly lukewarm on that film. But No, I, I liked it. I know. It's, it's the greatest yeah. movie ever made. Top 10. Top 10. You, you, you definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I did. And if you would like to hear more opinions about it, we can listen to our most recent episode on <laughs> Megan, which uh, we released two weeks ago. But, yeah, that's that. Oh, uh, actually... Megan and Jason and horror news related. I actually just recently finished. I, I, I've been meaning to catch up on the, the Chucky TV series. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I haven't caught up. That's a lie. But um, I, I finished the first season. And damn, it actually, like, I, I remember there's kind of a slow burn beginning for me. But I think it's actually probably, like, one of the better things I've seen in a long time. Uh, I feel like it's really, I don't know. It really kind of keeps the spirit of the original movies. And, like, I feel like it doesn't kind of, I don't know, the um, the later Seed films and even kind of the um the cult of chucky kind of turned me off a bit but i really kind of like the i think it's the right amount of like hokiness and campiness um so mm-hmm. i feel like i haven't seen the second season yet i've heard it's good as well so i feel like you got you know if anybody's interested in that you should definitely check it out sounds good cool 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 you all be? right you want to jump into the movie let's do it all right cool um so i guess i'll start off with this because this was my suggestion uh we are going to be talking about the 1981 film possession uh which was a Oh, gosh, I wrote that. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so this was basically a kind of thriller slash mindfuck movie um, that the uh, Polish director Andrzej Zulaski created. 
It was one of his middle films. There's a lot of interesting kind of background information in terms of this, in terms of he was basically exiled from his country uh, for his past films because they think they were, that they were basically he was insinuating the government was insinuating that they were anti-government. <laughs> um, and this was kind of one of his ways of kind of dealing with that. And then also, too, um, it's semi-autobiographical in terms of he was going through a really rough divorce or had been going through a divorce at the time and kind of used this to kind of express his emotions in terms of that therapy's sake. I personally heard of this movie for the very first time through a uh, super eyepatch wolf video where he was talking hmm. about disturbing horror movies, uh, which is a YouTuber. Fantastic. He mostly talks about anime bullshit, but he's just this really charismatic, really clever Irish um, YouTuber. And I really like his opinions on things. And he's introduced me to a lot of really cool stuff. This is one of them on that front. Uh, so this movie is basically, it's very fast paced, um, very surreal in terms of Sam Neill, who is the husband and protagonist of this movie, uh, comes home one day. Um, he works as a spy in Berlin. And of course, the Cold War is a big, big theme in this movie. Uh, but to find out that his wife has been cheating on him and wants a divorce as well. And basically, it just continues to go through their dissolution of marriage, love, everything like that, as more and more weird supernatural shit starts happening. This is one of those movies that's going to be really hard to talk about without spoiling. So I think we'll just go ahead and do our general impressions of the film, and then we'll dive right into spoilers. Uh, so, Andrew, what do you think of Possession? Uh, I, I'm going to—I think I'm going to have to put this into my—if uh, I wasn't trash, I would enjoy it more movie <laughs> section uh, of, of this year's rankings. Um, I do—I think, actually, I think the last half hour is really interesting. Um, but there's a lot of weird buildup. And I know the acting style is kind of— contemporary for what it is and it's supposed to be this kind of overacting mentality but it, it I, I i found myself very bored in the first it's, it's a two hour long movie that i think would have worked a lot better as maybe an hour and a half um mm -hmm. so i don't know i didn't i didn't i i liked it i liked it but i didn't love it and because i i don't know for me that's kind of like a maybe not stay away but like be ready for it so, you know be ready to be ready to spend some time on the slow burn mm-hmm yeah, I would agree with that, especially it, it's one of those weird movies where like it is very fast paced, but at the same time, it kind of takes forever to get anywhere in terms of like the scenes are very quick. The dialogue is very quick. They jump back and forth. Like you mentioned, the acting is very, very much overacting a lot of the time. Um, but it, again, that was the style that they kind of wanted to put forward. Um, there's a lot of interesting just uh, cinematography behind it and in terms of why it was the way it was or why the acting was the way it was. Um, in terms of how I feel about it, I liked it. Um, I definitely feel there's a lot of scenes that are really going to stick uh, with me. Um, I definitely feel it's one of those movies where I have no desire to go back to and watch it anytime soon, <laughs> at the very, very least. It, it kind of felt me with the same feeling as like Mad God or maybe Hereditary or Midsummer in terms of just like, I, I, I definitely, it stuck with me. There will be scenes that really, really kind of just made me very unnerved, which is very rare for horror movies for me anymore. But at the same time, it's just, did I enjoy it? Oh, no, absolutely not. I did not enjoy this movie. Am I glad I see it? Is it an interesting film? Oh, most definitely, yes. I think there's a lot of interesting context behind it. I thought they definitely set out in terms of what it was to do, but it is a very uncomfortable watch, and it is not a fun movie, and it just kind of made me, I don't know, depressed after I watched it, um, mm -hmm. which was the intention, definitely, but it, yeah, it's one of those horror movies where definitely it's not set out to be a fun movie. It's not set out to be anything more than just 
honestly kind of like a therapy session for the director. Um, but it was a very influential movie in a lot of different ways. It has gained a lot of cult status. I appreciate it for what it did. But you do have to kind of go into the movie with that mindset um, in terms of you are not going to have a good time. You are going to have a very uncomfortable time. And when it's done, you're going to be kind of back and forth in terms of what you feel about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But- I, I did, and I think that's the good thing to think about. I think, like, if you go in with the context, you're, like, more, like, I feel like I might enjoy it watching it more a second time. But I feel like I texted you maybe, like, half an hour in. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I didn't know anything about this movie. I didn't, I didn't look anything up. I just, I got it. I watched it. But I put it on. And I was just, like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think, like, you know, if, if you know the context and you know roughly what it is, like, I can almost say maybe, like, I don't know, find, like, a YouTube summary of it first. And then you have that kind of framework going in and it might contextualize it for you. Because I was just trying to make meaning out of it in the beginning and like really trying to decide what's going on. And I think for me, that's kind of where it fell apart. So like, not that it fell apart, but where I, I found it lacking was just not actually being able to track what's happening in the story. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I mentioned the past is very important to me to know what's going on, whose characters are. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I almost feel like it's me that I might actually enjoy more in a second watch through um, or, you know, but then again, I think for anybody who's watching it the first time, maybe kind of do, may not that you have to be reading on it, but like if you know at least like roughly what the beginning's setting up, I think it'll make it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, 2001 A Space Odyssey in terms of there's just a lot of background behind it. And you got to kind of recognize the impact it had for other things as well. And the circumstances that led up to the creating the movie to get that much more enjoyment out of it. If you see it in a vacuum, it's definitely a little bit, uh, I don't know, kind of boring, definitely on that aspect. I, I, I wouldn't say it's boring. It's definitely slow in some areas, but it still, when it hits, it really, really does hit. Um, but yeah, do you want to, do you want me to kind of talk a little bit about the background behind this movie in terms of how it's created? Cause this is what I personally found most interesting about this movie. Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, so Andrew Zukowski, uh, once again, is the, uh, director and basically he kind of intended for this to be an autobiographical film, um, in terms of his own divorce and also his feelings towards the country of Poland, uh, who basically exiled him, uh, before this movie was created. So he was a fairly prolific um, director in making his way around the European film scene back in the 70s and 80s. And um, he was accused, basically, of making some very anti-government films over in Poland. And by his own admission, it was not intentional. He wasn't trying to do it. He was just being targeted for political reasons. And he was forced to leave his country, basically. And his identity, his sense of nationality was very, very important to him. So it kind of felt like he was going through a really, really harsh breakup at that time. Um, And because of that, he was just like, how can I go ahead and kind of set these feelings that I'm creating of, you know, a divided country being, you know, so close to my country? Because he went over to Germany and he wasn't able to go back. And he was just trying to figure out, okay, how exactly what what can I instill in this movie to kind of give me that same sense? Um, so he chose uh, Berlin during the Cold War, um, during the height of the Berlin Wall before, you know, David Bowie uh, tore down the wall with Ronald <laughs> Reagan and David Hasselhoff, of course, as well. Um, that was facetious. That was a joke. But anyway, uh, that was kind of how it is. And that's why so much of this movie is set like directly adjacent to the Berlin Wall, because he felt separated from Poland. And that was the metaphor for that on that front. Additionally, as well, um, he kind of was going through a divorce at the time as well. And this was an actress uh, that he dated uh, a while ago. This was, uh, oh God, Margot Zada Brownick um, was her name. And 
there was a lot of scenes in here that was actually kind of semi-autobiographical. Like when Sam Neill comes home and he sees Bob who's smeared with jam because he's been neglected and he tried to feed himself. Apparently that was an actual thing that happened to him in his real life as well. So he tried to instill these feelings into a horror movie in terms of just like the crumbling of divorce, the crumbling of his own nationality. And there was a lot of it in terms of how he wanted to specify on that front. Um, yeah, so that was that. Um, the director was blacklisted from Poland, like I said before. And the main actress as well, who I do think is the best part of this movie, um, Isabel Ajni, she was known for being extremely difficult to work with. And a lot of directors refused to work with her during this time. Um, so her agent was having a hard time trying to find roles for her. And they kind of felt a kindred spirit in that way in terms of I've been exiled from my country, you've been exiled from the industry, let's work together as a bunch of exiles together. Um, and they created this together on that front. So that is that in terms of how that works, um, the metaphor behind it's the kind of how this movie was developed. Um, like I said, Sam Neill, this is one of his first-ish movies. I don't know, six or seven at this point. He's had a very, very long career, but he's still a younger actress, um, still kind of getting his feet wet in this point. He's, he's got, I mean, he's got his feet wet, but he's still kind of developing himself. Uh, but he has said that this is the most extreme movie he's ever worked on. And he said, would I make it again today? And no, absolutely not. I would not be able to handle it. <laughs> um, and additionally as well, the main actress, when this movie came out and when she went on through, um, this had an emo a huge effect on her mental state as well, which the more and more I read about her, the more and more I'm realizing she's not probably at the time, at the very least, the most mentally sound. Um, and oh. it definitely shows in this movie. So, yeah. She, she won, she won like Best Actress in Kansas, didn't she? Um, I believe so. Yeah. So that, like, she like, so, yeah, I think that was like, she like, yeah, for her, uh, I think that, that scene, the, the uh, miscarriage, scene? Uh, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was, yeah. It was like very, uh, I think she, I think that, like that stick scene, like she, she got a lot of praise for. Mm -hmm. She, she like went, she went to town on her emotions there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then also too, just a, you know, just a fun fact in terms of, I mean, I mean no movie obviously is ever worth anyone's mental health. We're not Ralphing from the move, the menu here in terms of pursuing art and you know destroying your mental health in the sake of this. But um, apparently, she did attempt suicide after filming this movie just because oh. it was just so emotionally exhausting on that front. Um, and it was just a, yeah, really intense film, apparently. And I think that definitely shows in the movie in terms of just being so overbearing and so overwhelming. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the background information in terms of what I was able to recover on that front. Um, yeah. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Oh, I didn't know. She, oh, she's in The Tenant. Okay. I was, I was curious. What was. Oh, she's in, she's in Nos, the, not, Ron's Fraudful remake? All right. That's mm -hmm. cool. Oh, okay. She's she's done a lot. I mm -hmm. I know she she looked kind of familiar, but um, crazy. Oh my gosh, she's in so yeah. much. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, um, mostly in the European film circuit, definitely. But uh, yeah, I was that. But I, I did like a, we did uh in, my, in one of my film classes we watched a lot of like French new wave cinema and like I feel like this really like felt like a French film. I don't know. Like I know I know that it, like obviously it was a collaboration, oh, yeah. but uh, I feel like that also kind of added to kind of the somberness and some some of the acting that maybe I'm not as used to. Uh, at times mm -hmm. um yeah no i 100% agree with that and that was a big thing too just in terms of the overacting and just how sam neill and the main actors and everyone just kind of 
overact and enunciate everything. And it's almost like a stage play at points. Um, that was very, very intentional. And that was kind of the style at the time. So, yeah, right. Yeah. There, there, there was some guy who was like, who did the idea where you should have to act with your entire body. You have to like mm-hmm. these, these crazy overart reactions, which at, at times for me in this movie really made me kind of question who was possessed and who wasn't. Cause like yeah. even Sam Neill was doing some weird stuff. And I was like, is he a protagonist or is he secretly like the monster? I, I really can't tell, uh, which was probably uh-huh. intentional. And I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that definitely was intentional. Everyone is just acting so strange in this movie. So, yeah, it's it's a very uncomfortable movie. It's one of those where just like something just feels off the whole time. And then as the craziest ramps up, it just it's just you never feel safe or comfortable while watching this movie. You know so, what made me uh, feel really uncomfortable, though, in this movie? Yeah. Uh, Bob. Anytime they fucking said Bob. Like, <laughs> like so I have a kid cat named Bob. named Bob. But uh, but also I feel like just naming a little kid Bob is the, like, what? Like, who calls a little kid Bob? Like Bobby you know, like, or whatever, whatever, I'm sure the other names, but Bob, like, oh, Bob, what's going on? <laughs> like, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't deal with it. I was like, I'm like, oh, Bob, like, I don't know, I yeah. couldn't, couldn't handle it. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. That was a very weird name for the kid, too. Um, but again, it was 1981. I don't know. Whenever I hear Bob, I think of, uh, gosh, what was it? Uh, office Space, where there's like, we'll talk to the Bobs. There's like five different people <laughs> named Bobs or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was thinking, I think Bob. How dare you? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, what do you want to start with this movie? Because now that we've got that, um, so we kind of did talk. Yeah, we talk about the Bob. Uh, so we did talk a little bit about the um, plot in terms of Sam Neill spy during the Cold War. He left being a spy at the very beginning of the movie, and then comes home to find out his wife is planning on divorcing him and is also actively cheating on him as well. Um, and it slowly gets revealed that I, she's basically birthing and creating this creature who, spoiler alert, for the twist at the very, very end, um, becomes Sam's Neil's doppelganger, uh, basically grows into that. But until then, he's just this massive tentacle monster um, and acts very weird, very just all sorts of things. It is a very intense film as well, um, just in terms of abuse. Uh, there are several very explicit scenes of Sam Neil physically abusing her and vice versa as well. Um, it, it's a very uncomfortable film to watch, so... Mm-hmm. And I did find the relationship interesting because, like, you know, like, if you hadn't seen the movie, when we talk about, oh, he finds out she's cheating on him, you think it's, like, this dramatic scene. But I feel like it's very blatant. He's just like, did you cheat on me? And she's like, yeah, kind of. And he's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's it's very matter of fact. And it's very kind of like, because I thought it was implied that he cheated on her as well. But, like, they kind of were okay with it as long as it wasn't when they were together. I don't know. Like, when he, like, when he came back, I feel like the conversation they have she like implies to him like you were cheating on me as well right and he's kind of like yeah yeah not gonna say yes not gonna say no um mm-hmm. it, seemed, it seemed like there's very interesting like her cheating on him was an ultimate betrayal but he kind of cheats on her multiple times in this movie with her sister is that was that her sister that that aunt whatever her name with who was limping around and um uh, friends yeah friend yeah so he cheated on with her and, uh-huh. and with the doppelganger of her so i was like it's this guy like you know for somebody complaining about being cheated on but i guess i don't know he's okay with cheating as long as they are still like romantically involved i don't know that yeah was... he's basically it rocks his worldview and you know once he learns that oh this rock this stable part of my life is no longer there and apparently wasn't there it just shatters his mind and the whole movie is tr- him trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces and you can kind of see that in terms of he goes to heinrich who <laughs> is the um 
the the man he that she's cheating with and you know he tries to basically be macho and attack him and have a fight in terms of to defend his honor and he just absolutely gets his ass kicked so that's the masculine side of him gone and as the movie continues he loses more and more of that one scene i did really really like is just he's trying to understand his wife and why this would happen and there is one scene where it, there was a, um she's using an electric carver anna is the wife's name um using an electric carver and during this she cuts herself um just intentionally just because she's emotionally overwrought at this moment in time and then later on after things have calmed down you see him with an electric carver and he's just kind of curiously just cutting himself back and forth and I kind of interpreted that as a he's so broken, he's trying to connect with his wife, he's trying basically to mimic her actions in terms of being able to connect with her on that level, which is obviously disturbing, but kind of shows how fall, far he's fallen. Because he is not a good person in this movie. He is a very, very broken person. They are both broken people. Mm. Um, and that was kind of the intention on that front. Well, I, I did find that scene interesting, because after he cuts himself, doesn't she say, like, see, I don't feel anything? Like... Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if, again, it was because they were possessed or because, again, with them, like, the idea that their passion's so gone that, like, you know, like, even from that accident, like, you know, from cutting themselves, they're not feeling anything, like, emotionally from it. Like, I I think my, my confusion with this movie a lot of times is what is symbolic, what is possession, what is, like, you know, I, I'd almost like this movie to be remade to a degree, to be a little bit more, not straightforward, but I feel, because I, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't completely buy that this movie isn't at times just being artsy for the sake of artsy sake or doing things that are weird for the sake of being weird but not meaning behind them um and that was one of those scenes that's kind of like so what is this saying with the fact with the knife like mm-hmm. i with with the with the electric knife like what are, what are they saying and the fact that he cuts himself because later on he's not bleeding anymore like it's, it's healed later on yeah. so like are they implying that it wasn't real are they implying that it's like him trying to sympathize with her and having trouble doing it and that like her saying it's not hurting is because like it never actually happened like i don't i, I, I can't quite tell what some of that what some of the meaning behind that is yeah, and that's another thing, too. This movie is not a movie you go to to find answers. Like, a lot of it is very metaphorical, very symbolic. There's weird stuff happening for the sake of trying to instill emotion in you, but not actually give explanation as to why. I mean, the movie literally ends with um, the doppelganger. So at the very end of the movie, both Anna and Sam Neill should probably say his actual name. Uh, Mark. Mark is his name. Uh, Anna and Mark uh, basically shooting each other um, in a standoff uh, while they're trying to protect the doppelganger because eventually at the end of the movie, Mark just completely uh, follows her and she's like, oh, what's that? We're raising this weird doppelganger tentacle monster? Sure, fine. Well, I'll go with it, whatever. (laughs) Um, But they both die in terms of that and then the doppelganger, you know, escapes and meets up with Anna's doppelganger, Helen, who is a character throughout the entire movie, looks exactly like her and is supposed to symbolize, at least in terms of my interpretation, um, Mark's ideal version of Anna. It's, you know, she's sweet. She does everything for him, is good to Bob, doesn't talk back, doesn't have any agency of her own. Um, that was my interpretation in terms of her, his idealized version of her. Mm. Um, but the two of them meet at the very, very end in the apartments. Bob, the child, is realizing that, oh, no, this is going to happen all over again. The two of them are crumbling together. Um, and he goes on up and drowns himself in the bathtub while he's screaming, don't open the door, don't open the door. Um, and then the closing scene is basically Mark, the doppelganger, and Helen, the, the other doppelganger, meeting 
And then all of a sudden, Berlin, during the Cold War, bombs are going off and explosions are occurring. And I kind of interpreted that as metaphorically, this is what this relationship is going to lead to. Uh, but it's very overt. It's very, very all over the place. Mm. But yeah. Wait, so so did you take, so is the interpretation, like, is Helen actually like another created doppelganger or is she just the person who happens to look like Anna? Uh, like, I think she it, was another doppelganger at some point. Yeah. All right. Because like, that's like, I was, I was curious about, so like, at one point, so so as you mentioned, you know, that there's Heinrich, um, who is Anna's lover. Um, and at one point, we meet Heinrich's mother. Um, and uh, Sam Neill or Mark has a conversation with her. And she talks about, like, how, you know, Mark, uh, sorry, not Mark, Heinrich, he's bringing other girls around and stuff. And, at, and so what I thought the twist was going to be was that actually this was the grandmother's doing. And she kind of started this process with Anna of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of, um, of like, you know, I thought Heinrich somehow was involved because the Heinrich is a very spiritual guy talking about life and talking about like the meaning in life and like he even has some like there's some i almost feel like there's some kind of like uh queer typing to him at, at times in terms of his relationship with mark and how he wants mark to like him even though he's like having sex with his wife and like there's and he even kind of relies on him to a degree um and i think that he's like a supposed to be the spiritual character so i thought the twist was going to be that the grandmother was somehow involved in heinrich's previous relationships and making these doppelgangers or giving vessels to this being that's possessing them uh and i'm really kind of sad they didn't go that way because i thought that was a really interesting creepy kind of thing uh that you know his wife just got caught up in this thing um but uh i don't know i i, I was curious kind of in terms of like i guess the mythology of the possession and what's going on with the possession was very curious to me and i feel like uh you know like you said like if the possession actually is something or if it's just symbolic of the relationship and the divorce um mm-hmm. it's kind of weird for me like, i don't yeah. quite know how to how to interpret it yeah, and I definitely feel like this movie leans a lot more towards, you know, don't look too much for the answers. It's not all literal. It is very, very symbolic. And again, that kind of art house sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is one of those things where you kind of have to recognize the context behind it to really appreciate it. Because the very first time I saw this before I read up on it, I kind of felt the same as you in terms of, oh, yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely some weird imagery in here that's going to stick with me for a while. And I think I liked it, but I definitely never want to see it again. And I really wish I had read up more about this film <laughs> before I did that. And now that I did, again, like you said, I kind of want to read it again. Uh, or watch it again just to see, you know, what changes and how my interpretation of like, oh, I guess this could mean this aspect or this could represent, you know, Mark's sense of toxic toxic masculinity as a spy in West Berlin or something like that. And I just, yeah, but at the same time, too, I'm just like, I don't want to watch it again because it's just kind of, it's an uncomfortable movie. <laughs> well, and, the, and I'm curious, too, like with Bob at the end. So Bob at the end, like, uh, so I didn't, when I first saw it, I interpret him as drowning himself because we see him multiple times throughout the movie practicing holding his breath underwater. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was some kind of coping mechanism that he was doing. And like, I was thinking like, oh, like, does he know something's going to happen? Like, you know, if there's a bombing, is he trying to protect himself by going underwater, you know, to like stop that from happening? Like, I don't know. I, I was reading some description that says that he drowned and died. I'm like, well, we only, we only see him in the water for like two seconds. And given that mm-hmm. you know, he, he keeps drowning himself or keeps practicing uh, throughout the movie, there's like four or five times where he... Uh, uh, you know, hops into the tub and, t- and tries it and has Mark time how long he can hold his breath. I thought of something related to that. So I feel like it has to be part of connected to that. But like, again, I don't quite think that this movie, I, I, I just don't get the impression or at least the way it was conveyed to us that it really kind of keeps with some of these themes that's going on. Like, I don't know if he, if he just died and it's kind of weird. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I also feel like um, there's that whole that situation. So do you remember when, um, when Mark is quitting, he's leaving his job and he's getting the debrief um, and right before he, um, 
he leaves, the guy leans over the desk because they're talking about uh, the person, the, the suspect or whatever, the, the, the target. What, what's the term they use? The, the perp. It's the perp uh, mm-hmm. that he's been spying on. And he leans across and says, does the perp still wear pink socks? And at the very end of the movie, um, so Mark and Anne get shot because uh, Mark, uh, Mark has a gun and Anne has a gun. The doppelganger's up, up there. And Mark goes to shoot his doppelganger as soon as they see him because he's like, this is fucked up. And then pe- the police from downstairs, these officers, shoot him. From, that's how that's Anne and both die. Um, mm. And then you see that same investigator who asked about the pink socks walking up the stairs. And he stops to pull up to tighten his shoes. And you see that he's wearing pink socks. So what I is, actually did what not is, notice that. That's great. What, is, yeah. what does that mean? What does that mean? Like, and I, I keep trying uh-huh. to, I, I can't find anybody saying anything about that. And I'm trying to read about it. And I'm really fucking huh. like, that's, I feel like this movie is meant to annoy me, not annoy me, but like, <laughs> get me. Because there's all, all these little leads and these hints. And I'm like, ooh, what's going on? What's the meaning behind this? Let me dig into this a little bit. And it's just like nothing. <laughs> like, so was he spying on that guy the whole time? Is that guy evil? Is that guy the possessor? What's going on? Why is it pink socks? What does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Originally, so I originally thought the way this was setting up was that the demon was that he was actually like spying on the demon thing, whatever it was. That was his spy mission and that Bob was possessed by it. And he was kind of fucking things up in the relationship. That that was that when I when this movie started, that's where I was like, this is the plot. Uh, and then it ended up being nothing like that. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know. I, I, I think there are a lot of things like that, that I'm really kind of confused about. And, and like with um, like if um, if Mark was possessed or not, because when he goes into that, when he goes into the house, he's kind of normal. After um, he finds the house where the monster was or like the creature was, and he like is like, oh, I gotta hide the evidence. Like then he like t- on a dime turns, he's like, all right, let me blow this place up and hide all the evidence and kill Heinrich. Like I feel like that kind of came out of nowhere um, mm-hmm. for his character because I think like right before that he was really happy with Helen and he was like, fuck Anne. He's like, yo, Anne sucks. I'm begging this new girl who looks kind of like her, but he's really nice. Um, you know, he seemed like he was he was ready to leave Anna until Heinrich calls him back into it. Um, so again, I'm kind of wondering what, what this symbol like. Is it the fact that he like he doesn't like the idea of Heinrich? He's okay with leaving her, but not having her be with somebody else. Or is it that like he thinks that I don't know? Is it that he th- he sees a purpose in his life now to cover up for her unless they're back together? Or he thinks he solved the problem. This is why she doesn't like me. So if I do this for her, I'll be together with her. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm very curious as to what I would love. Like I think the director, I don't know if he's alive or not. I would love for him to you know shine some light onto what's actually going on. Yeah, and also, too, I, I don't think throughout this entire movie that Mark is, you know, has any reason towards his actions, because it, it very much is a he's a completely broken man at this point. He's not acting with it, and he's just kind of latching on to whatever it is. So it might be, you know, Heimlich in terms of Mark is going over there trying to, you know, do the macho man thing of just like, oh, my wife's cheating on me with, uh, you know, cheating on me with you. I'm going to go ahead and kick your ass. And then he tries and he gets his ass kicked. So I wonder if it's a display of dominance of just like, okay, now Heimlich's the alpha male and I am going to go ahead and follow him um, in terms of what he's going to expect or what he's going to tell me to do. Um, And then I wonder Mm -hmm. if the same thing is kind of true with um, Anna as well in terms of after a while he just kind of is just so emasculated by everything that he's just like, I, I can't be anything but a follower on that front. Um, mm. And I wonder how much, you know, just knowing the background behind this in terms of how much the divorce kind of broke the director and how being exiled from Poland broke the director, you know, how much auto, autobiographical is that in that, in that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, and I wonder um, if you, oh, sorry. No, go for it. I was going to switch topics, so go for it. Oh, well, this is kind of switch topic as well. Uh, but I was thinking that the title "Possession," like the more the, you know, the more I kind of watched and thought about it, the more I kind of thought that it, if it whether or not it has to do with possession, like demonic possession, or possession is like possessing a person, because I really feel like it is in, to a degree almost a story about like you know Mark wanting you know he wants he wants Anna not because 
she likes him anymore or because the relationship's good. He just wants to have her because she was, quote unquote, his. Um, and I think it's interesting that, you know, in this story, the possession of your significant other, you know, as the divorce kind of comes apart, seems to be a big theme because, you know, he possessed her, quote unquote, uh, but then he found that possession being lost to Heinrich and only to find out that not even Heinrich, you know, possesses her. And it's, you know, in, in the end, it's, it's this other creature, this other version of himself that really kind of has her. But even then, it doesn't really have her. It's, you know, it's just kind of living off of her. Um, so I, I thought that's kind of interesting to just the, the name possession when like, you know, you could easily interpret that as not that anybody is possessed uh, demonically because, you know, yes, she birthed this thing and it's, you know, supposed to be theoretically like a symbol of her trauma uh, that instead of it being about demonic possession, it's about possessing another person and, you know, the the, the path that leads down to um, as they, you know, because, you know, at the end, Mark, uh, doppelganger Mark is trying to possess doppelganger Helen, um, mm-hmm. like have her. Uh, which I think is interesting. And I almost wonder if that was more the intentional meaning behind it. Like, you know, obviously plan words. Uh, but if that, if it, if it was more about possessing a person versus possessing uh, demonically, I don't know if, that, if that's mm-hmm. how you interpreted it. Yeah. I actually kind of really like that angle in terms of, it's not so much like literal demonic possession, but just manipulating or not even manipulating like intentionally, but just being, I don't know, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Being influenced by another person, mm-hmm. more than stronger than influenced. I don't, I don't know, but you, you get what I'm Controlled, saying. Controlled, coerced. Yeah, I, I get you. Yeah, coerced. I like that one. Uh, but yeah, that's that. Uh, anyway, uh, one thing I did want to talk about is, what did you think of the creature designs? Because that is one thing that this movie kind of has been highly praised for um, in terms of the creature and the special effects um, regarding it. So what do you think of it? I mean, you know, given that it was designed by the person who helped design the head of the alien, I mean, how could you uh-huh. not love it? <laughs> um, no, you I, found that too, yes. I Carlo, did. Carlo, uh, Carlo Rambaldi, uh, he was uh, one of the special effects people, <laughs> and he is one of the people who helped create the original alien head as well. I Damn it, I was going to surprise you with that fact, but oh, of course oh, I couldn't out. I couldn't out-alien you. Got you it. fool. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I liked it. Um, I, I, I'd heard that apparently like when they first brought it in, I used to, one of the forms, I think it was the bed, the form on the bed was like a, just like a pink condom. People were like, no, no, it's fucking gross. <laughs> Give it arms. Um, but I don't know, when they first see it, it really reminds me of the shit weasels from um, Dreamcatcher. Like that, that Ooh, little yeah. face, with the eyes on the side and the weird little mouth. Um, I would have liked to see it more a little bit. I'm curious, like, how it works. Does it feed off the bodies that she that she harvests or not? Or does it just kind of grow on its own? Um, it, mm-hmm. Like, I, there's, I don't know, I, I was intrigued by it. I wanted, it had like thing vibes to me. I, I was, I was feeling it, except when she started like having sex with it. And I was like, ooh, that's a little... I'm not in that hentai, but, uh, you know, it's a little, little weird uh-huh. for me. Uh, but, <laughs> um, Just you know, like kind of a Japanese animes, yeah. <laughs> I almost wish, like, I don't know, maybe he wasn't a doppelganger at the end. Like, I get the point of it, but I was like, oh, I kind of want to, like, I want I want the thing fight at the end, not not Dr. Ian Malcolm looking at himself. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, the, the more handsome version of himself. <laughs> uh, I don't know, how about yourself? What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I really liked it, too. I thought it was, you know, disturbing in all the right ways. I thought that they also did a good job with just showing enough of it. I also like how it evolved throughout the movie as well. So even every time you saw it, you had no idea what to expect next. Um, yeah, the affirmation sex scene, that was just gross and really, really made me uncomfortable. And, you know, that that was obviously the intention. So good job there. Good job yep, there, yep, movie. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was it was really good. I liked it. I also liked too just how much it showed that it affected other people. Mm-hmm. Um, like the scene where Heimlich sees the creature and he basically just like he can't comprehend it and his mind just shatters in like this uh, almost Cthulhu esque H.P. Lovecraft sort of way. Um, yeah, I, I I did like the Eldritch aspect of it, and I feel like they did a good job kind of showing how uncomprehensible it was. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. 
It also comes out of fucking left field the first time you see it. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know something's going on, but that when that detective kind of walks in and she's just in the house and he's like, you know, let me, uh, you know, let me, let me just look around. Let me check the windows. Ha ha ha. And he's like, what the fuck is that? And she like stabs him back yeah. in the head. And you're like, Jesus, where did this thing come from? Like, like, like I expected like more like Rosemary's baby, like, I don't know, like kind of like hints at the devil and shit, not like squid monster. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, all right. I guess this is going full out demon. Uh, interesting. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. And actually, I will say, I loved her like, um, uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, Isabel Adjani. I, I, I loved her, like, I don't know, like, possessed, kind of like, oh, no, I dropped the wine. What a shame. Let me come get yes. you. And I was just like, ooh, this is fucking creepy. <laughs> like, I uh-huh. I don't know. They, like, it's interesting because I feel like, again, like, I don't think this is like a traditional possession story, but the way that she acted when she was, like, quote, unquote, possessed was very interesting. And, and I think Sam Neill as well. I think he, he definitely had, like, a weird feeling to him, especially, I think, towards the end when he starts, like, acting like a fucking creep but the fact like the fact that Heimlich, Heimlich did not know he was going to die is insane I would as soon as Sam Neill comes into the into the fucking place I would be like alright this guy's been trying to kill me I gotta, gotta get out of here like, <laughs> um, yeah he was uh, and it definitely I think that kind of helped with the overacting as well because Anna and Helen's acting just it gave a credence to the over other earthly feeling of it to the possession angle of it in terms of just like something is off it's very weird that sort of thing mm. on that front. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, I think I think the most memorable scene in the entire movie is definitely the subway scene. So do you want to talk about that? Do we want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's about, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the movie. Um, at this point, like, weird shit has been happening. We've seen the creature a few times, basically, and it is a long-cut scene, about three to four minutes, of Anna walking through the subway, uh, with like a, I don't know, bag full of groceries, like milk mm. and stuff in her hands. And basically she just goes full on completely crazy in terms of just like laughing maniacally, slapping her head against the wall, uh, rolling around in the filth and the subway floor. And eventually she kind of sits in, you know, on her knees basically as, you know, she's obviously trying to, to fight something off or something's going on in her head at this point. Her mind is just absolutely snapping and breaking. And then we see all these fluids kind of come on out from under her dress. And we get the impression that's just like, Oh, she miscarried. And then they tell us that later. And it's just an excruciating, just kind of lawn, a very uncomfortable watch. It's definitely the one scene that's going to really stick out to me in this movie. And I thought it was very effective in terms of how they did it. Um, and actually, it was one of those things, too. Massive Attack did a um, music video that's very similar in terms of a woman kind of going crazy in a subway with, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking. The actress from Gone Girl. What's her name again? Uh, Olivia Wilde. Oh, fuck. Uh, oh, no. Uh, I don't no, know. no uh, uh, her. Uh, Rose, Rosamund <laughs> Pike. Rosamund Pike. Yeah, Rosamund Pike, yeah. Uh, she, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they basically, that I'm wondering if that was a homage to this movie, because um, it, it definitely has a lot of very similar shots and that sort of thing, in terms of going crazy. And they even wear a similar dress, I believe, as well. Um, oh. So yeah, it's, uh, it was uh, it was very, very intense. Um, very, very intense thing. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. And like, and you, when you say fluids, like, it's it's like, like oh, it's, it's like yeah. multicolored fluids. It's, it's like mad god fluids, like coming out of every every random place and just going everywhere um 
and it it's like and it's interesting and it, it's unfortunate because like she she's she's telling mark at this point about her miscarriage and how like this happened when he was gone so like she had to deal with this alone um and i i, I interpreted that as like like not the possession like not not like i didn't think that of, as her actually being demonically possessed i assumed i took that as her retelling of what, what it felt like where she was you know like walking home and this happened to her and there's nobody to be around so to her it was this big horrific like you know and to her the miscarriage didn't feel like you know blood and blood coming out but it, it felt like erupting for your orifice. it felt like this big gross mad god like scenario because that's like where she was emotionally um which I, I, I get it, I get it, because it's also her kind of explaining why, like, Mark isn't, it, it's it's actually, like, a really realistic conversation of, like, you know, you were gone, and I had to go through this alone, and it fucking sucked, and, like, yeah, that's why I'm fucking not with you anymore, because you weren't here, and I had to go through this by myself, I had to go through, you know, theoretically, I'm assuming, uh, you know, the, I'm assuming that that was, that was his child uh, that uh, was miscarried, and, you know, like, they, she had to go through it alone without him, and didn't even talk to him about it, because she didn't, like, you know, what what's, how do you do that, um, Mm-hmm. So I know I thought I thought that was a really effective scene and like you know gross like gross but then like traumatizing for her because then it kind of cut back to her face and you're just like oh so she experienced this like you know regardless of whether mm-hmm. or not that actually happened that's how it went down she experienced this trauma um, which you know like for me at that point I was kind of like oh yeah maybe Mark is the villain so, like I'm like I was already kind of like maybe Mark's kind of weird and then you know obviously things happen later um, or maybe like sort of things already had happened but I kind of felt like oh okay maybe this woman like is really like you know like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, you know, it I made me feel really bad for her because um, I feel like that was yeah, definitely. just her trauma visualized. Yeah, and, you know, Mark is definitely an abuser throughout the entire movie. Like, I, I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made in terms of Anna. Um, obviously, there's a lot of shitty things she does as well, but Mark also does some incredibly shitty things as well. So it is basically two abusers um, going back and forth on that front. So, yeah. 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 Um, the music video is "Voodoo in My Blood" by Massa, uh, Massive Attack, and I just took a look real quick. And according to several interviews, yes, uh, Possession was a direct inspiration for that music video. So if you want to oh. relive that scene again, go watch it. Woo-hoo. Sure. So yeah. Uh, oh. Interesting. I'll, I'll uh, check that out. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, yeah, I don't know what else. What other scenes? Uh, Heinrich's death. <laughs> Fucking Heinrich's yeah. death. Heinrich's death is insane. <laughs> uh, not, like I don't know. I. So basically, uh, you know, after um, <clears throat> after Mark discovers the the house of horrors uh, where um, Anna was living, he so Heinrich calls. So Heinrich goes up there uh, to see Anna because he um, Mark knows that shit's going down, kind of. So he tells Anna where he tells her what, him where Anna is. Uh, partly, I think to get. I think again, I think that was at the stage where he kind of forgot about Anna, not forgot, but was kind of happy with Helen and was like, all right, you know, fucking, you can have her. She seems insane. Go fucking have her. You know, go at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Heinrich goes up there. Anna stabs him because he sees the the monster. So Heinrich flees and gets the fuck out of there and calls, um, uh, main guy calls whatever main guy is. I already forgot his name. Sam Neil um, and is like, "Hey, I'm Mark." And he's like, "Hey, Mark. Uh, oh, hi, Mark. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm bleeding a lot, uh, yo." And like, this fucking come get me. Your 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 wife thing just stabbed me. Uh, you know, we need to do something. Your wife thing. Uh, uh, so, you know, Marcos checks out, comes back and finds Heinrich and basically just decides at that moment, like after he kind of figures out what's going on, decides basically just to kill Heinrich. And he, uh, he like did this very methodical way. He clogs the toilet. He fills it up with water. He takes down the um, top of the like toilet uh, reservoir, smashes his head in and drowns him and then locks mm-hmm. the door and hops over the edge. And it's just like, it's this crazy scene where you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ, Mark. Um, yeah. And it's, it's like really where you kind of see him go over the deep end where you're where you're like not to say he's the protagonist he's always kind of a 
what is it do antagonist whatever the one where he's not great uh no he's still a protagonist protagonist does not mean oh, he's a good character right, it just yeah. means he's yeah the focal but, point of the film but he's yeah he be, but he becomes like a villain you're kind of like oh fuck uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I thought that scene was effective because I you knew it was going to happen. Like it, that would to me, that was the, like maybe the most horrific scene to me. Not you know, obviously I think the the um, the subway scene was worse in terms of like horrific happening to her, but the most horror like scene, kind of like what I mentioned with um, what was that movie that we watched where people where the guy kills people? Oh, uh, like um, New Year's Do Evil. Do you have any idea how little that narrows it down? <laughs> What's that movie where guys kill people? <laughs> um, but you know, it, it kind, kind of like New Year's Evil, where I knew. Heinrich was gonna die. I didn't. I, like, I was like, ah, oh, don't don't kill Heinrich. He's like a like a chill dude. Like you know, he's a spiritual weirdy guy. But like you knew it was coming. This guy, ah, fuck. Like I, I I don't know. It, it reminded me of that like a New Year's Eve world. Like, I don't don't kill this girl. She's just nice. Don't do it. Like um, I don't know. And, you know when you're rooting for the victim, not you know not rooting you know rooting for them to survive. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I thought that, I thought that was a good scene uh, just for that because again it, it was really kind of worth like yeah fuck you market like get fucked <laughs> like don't kill Heinrich. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Any other scenes stand out to you? Not really, no. Like, it, it, this is a movie where just kind of everything just kind of blends together in terms of the oppressive, uncomfortable atmosphere this whole time. Um, I, I definitely got more entertainment out of this movie of just reading up about it. And that that is, I guess, a compliment to the movie because they were, they were aiming for something uncomfortable and something that's not really entertaining. It's just kind of, again, something autobiographical, kind of an art house movie about the emotions you experience through a crumbling divorce and being exiled from your country. And I definitely felt like they, they instilled a lot of those feelings. Um, yeah. And it just, there's a lot of aspects of it, especially as a child of divorced parents and as someone who's been through an abusive relationship before, there were definitely a few scenes that kind of hit it too close to home where I had to pause for a second. I was just like, all right, here we go. Let's, let's watch, uh, I don't know, play with my cats or something like that for <laughs> a little bit, which, um, but yeah, it, it, again, it's a movie. I'm glad it exists. I am, Glad they did it, what they set out to do. I definitely feel the influence on a lot of other movies that came out and just like media that came out afterwards. I have no desire to return to this movie at any point. I might in like, I don't know, five, ten years, something like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very uncomfortable movie. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Any final thoughts? Um, well, I did, have, I did have one question, another question for you for interpretation-wise. Sure. Um, excuse me. How do you interpret the ending of him and of Anne and Mark kind of like embracing at the end so like they both get shot they're on the ground and then decides to shoot herself again and she uh shoots herself in the back with the gun which is impressive uh and i think i'll shoot probably shoots through herself hits mark as well um but they kind of like have this moment where they kind of embrace and i think they kiss for a second um and this is after mm-hmm. doppelganger mark exists how did you interpret that was that was that a resolution was that kind of coming to terms with each other or kind of just being like we deserve each other to a degree like i can tell if that was more like like, you know, if there was a possession, that was them kind of getting coming away. You know, they got shot, so they're kind of shocked out of it. And they're like, oh, you know, like we were kind of important to each other. Or is it kind of like, a, you know, we deserve each other because we're both kind of fucked up? Or was it like, a, how do you interpret that ending of them embracing um, thing? Yeah, I think um, it is just, again, I, I think you were kind of on the money in terms of they deserve each other. And they both kind of realize that they deserve each other. I kind of took it as a moment of self-reflection in terms of we have completely destroyed each other and we've hurt other people in this process. And this is, you know, what we deserve. Um, mm. That's kind of how I interpreted that. Which, okay. again, if going along with the metaphor of the crumbling divorce and everything like that, it is kind of depressing to think about. But that, that was the movie that set out to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think? No, yeah, I kind of, I kind of the same. I, I think it's kind of like a, like a, uh, like you know, this is where we are. <laughs> like it's kind of like a, mm-hmm. well, fuck. Like you know, we're we're both shot to shit. Our 
you know, we we clearly both have doubles of us out there who can like, replace us essentially. Like, you know, we're just this is just them, uh, you know, kind of end like you know they they know that they're they're done. I like I. I feel like there's there's a movie like that recently where that happened where people were just kind of like ah fuck it like you know like they, they know they're gonna die so they kind of like embrace that last moment, um, which is interesting though because then she dies and he hops off the edge of the ledge, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's just because Mark is survives more. I thought they both got shot pretty bad. I thought he got shot more than she did, but uh, you know, uh, or maybe he wanted to die before the pink shoe guy came. That's what it was. Pink shoe guy's coming upstairs mm-hmm. and he's like fuck, <laughs> get out of here. Get to um, the pink shoe guy. Yeah. Terrible pink shoe. Everyone knows pink socks are the most intimidating color. For I mean, I'd, I'd re- episode, I really just want a sequel about Pink Sock Guy and like what his deal is. <laughs> like, I just have so many, like, I'm so angry that I can't find anything about Pink Sock Guy. Like, I feel like it was just the director being like, I remember that conversation. And you're like, I do remember that Fuck conversation. Yeah, sure. I don't know what the fuck's going on with it. Is he, is he the mole? Is he the demon? Is that, the, is, does, does the devil wear pink socks? Is that what I'm learning? Like, what is, what is, what is happening here? Is, I don't know. Um, I would love to see that maybe like, that's how they realize they get they get possessed. They like pull up their sock dramatically and it's pink, and they're like, "Oh God, he's been possessed." Your socks just the turn pink. You don't even, you don't put on new socks; they just turn pink. Good <laughs> stuff. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, that was possession. Uh, once again, we would recommend it. Just definitely kind of research a little bit more of the movie before going on into it. It's a very simple plot. It's not hard. It, it, it's, it's getting spoiled by this is not going to be something that's just like completely ruins the movie for you because it's definitely one just in terms of the emotions it invokes and also the um how it uh just kind of goes from there so um yeah i would recommend that but just kind of don't expect to watch it again i guess anytime soon yeah <laughs> yeah i, I guess I, I feel like i feel like <clears throat> i do think this is uh probably more rewatchable because it's less morally objectable than uh, my other, some of my, uh, than like the, the Blood of Dracula, which I think was also in my, if I wasn't trash, mm-hmm. I would like it more. Um, I do think this is like, you know, but it is that same kind of like high art. I feel like it's not, you know, not high art, but you know, it's, it's more conventionally art than other movies I watch where I feel like it's, you know, I think it's definitely worth watching. But as you mentioned, I don't know. I don't know if I ever want to watch it again. I don't know if I need to. Um, maybe, maybe watch that clip online if you're curious about her trauma. Uh, but yeah. Gotcha. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, once again, this has been Purpose Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. Uh, we are active on social media on Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to go ahead and send us a message, give a request for a movie, anything like that, uh, we're always taking suggestions. Uh, thank you so much to our opening band. That is Teddy's Atlas with the Son Horror Movie Story. You can get that out the album Children of the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. Uh, coming down the pipeline, I don't think we have anything. Do we have any ideas for the next few movies? Uh, I know do definitely we? we're going to be doing Evil Dead Rise. That that's that, and we're hmm. thinking about doing an Evil Dead marathon as well. Yeah, uh, but we still haven't decided on that front. I think that would be fun. I agree. Uh, actually, have you heard? Have you seen the movie Slash? Have you heard of the movie Slashback? Slashback. It's so I I don't quite know I don't know too much about it, but it's basically it's it's about a movie about like I guess um, I think it takes place on like a, on like a, a reservation, and it's like these kids who like I don't know find some. Uh, um, Zombie, not zombie, like alien creature. I don't know. It's supposed to be pretty good. I, I, I was, I was going to suggest that at some point that we should do that because it's pretty new. It's on HBO Max currently. I think it's on HBO Max mm-hmm. um, or it's on one of those stream channels. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good and kind of unique. So I think it might be a fun one to do. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Sounds good. Um, yeah, Alien Invasion movie. I don't think we haven't done too many of those yet. So we can kind of talk about how that goes and that sort of thing too. I apologize if you hear the background. My cat is eating right at my feet. Uh, uh. 
But that's that right there. Yeah, she's really cute. Uh, but yeah, that's that. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll definitely do Evil Dead at some point. I'm very excited for that one. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And stay groovy.